Are you ready to celebrate the Christ? You know, we look at Christmas, we just spout out, you know, oh, it's Christmas, Merry Christmas. But do we really pay attention to what Christmas is and what it's about? Do we really understand what was going on? And this morning, I, uh, I just want to go over kind of the story of Christmas and go over why we do what we do. And, and it'll, it'll be a lot of scripture today. And... Um, you don't want to know how many pages of notes uh, there were uh, with the scripture all listed out. But I'm not going to preach all of that, but I will be preaching in the middle of it. But, uh, you know, Christmas, like I said before, it's Christ's mass. In other words, it's a, it's a drawing together of people to the Christ. Now, one of the things to pay attention to is this, is that is Christ. Jesus' last name. No, it's not his last name. It's, that is how he is defined. Yeah. Christ means the anointed one of God. Yeah. It, when they said in the Old Testament, the Messiah, that meant the anointed one of God. The anointed one of God. In other words, there's one from God who's coming who will save us in everything we ever need saving of. There's one who's coming from God who will save us, who will bring his anointing. And all of a sudden things in our lives will work. And the trouble that we've been in, we won't have that trouble anymore because we'll have an anointed one, a savior, a king, a messiah, Christ. It, Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. And he said this, uh, Christmas is just recognizing, hey, Christ is, Jesus was that anointed one. And we're going to come together to worship because God loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us and set us free. But now we can walk in that freedom. It's a coming together. So as we come together this morning, literally we are performing a, a Christmas, a mass for Christ. We're coming together and say, Lord, you're our king. You're our savior. You're, you're the one who will give us the things that we need. You're the one who will heal us, deliver us, protect us, restore us. You're the one who will provide for us. You're the one who saved us from hell. You're the one we won't have an eternity of torture and pain away from our father but you gave us a way to come back to the father yeah. today yeah. and we're saying we're coming together boomerang this morning we're coming together to worship him amen, amen. that's what it's about and uh, so I just want to talk about that some this morning I want you to see some things in here every time I reach my hands out I see red polka dots I don't know how this came together but Somebody, you got to see all of this, right? This a coat is a, I don't know exactly what happened. Somebody just said, here, you have to wear this today. And uh, yes, my Lord, my Lord is right. Woo. I didn't think about it until I started putting my hands out and I caught glimpses of red. I'm like, what's red on my arm there? Anyway, glory to God. That's too much for y'all. I'm going to cover it back up. And uh, <laughs> that's too much. Anyway, I like it. It's good. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. I want you to see some things. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. 
Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Has anybody ever had pain in your life? Yeah. You ever had some struggles, some trials? Anybody ever had that besides me? Anybody ever had questions? Had stuff you didn't know how to answer? You ever had those situations where it's like, oh God, if you don't come through, I'm through. You ever had those moments? I need you. I need you. We did a series one time, and uh, the Lord gave us four things to get in our heart. We need to make this a core of who we are. Lord, I need you. In other words, uh, a lot of people, they go through life, and they keep trying to do it on their own, but they can't. It doesn't, you can't do it on your own. Your life will not be what it needs to be. Uh, you will have lack. You will have things that just don't work. You can't do it without God. You can't have life to the full until it overflows without God. Lord, we need you. We need you. I need you. I need you. When that becomes the cry of your heart, something opens up inside of you. Lord, I need you. Not only that, but I go from I need you to I want you. I want you. I desire to have you in my life. I remember a moment for me, uh, I found myself kneeling in my apartment crying because I'd hit the end of Brian. I'd hit the end of myself and I recognized, I recognized I can't do this without God. I can't do this without God. Lord, I need you. You know, I could have a whole bunch of people around me that are the greatest people ever, but they could be all be Christians, they could be wealthy, they could be feeding everything I need in my life. But here's the thing, my life would still not be what it needs to be without God. I need you, Lord. I need you. Now, the blessings of God will flow through people around you. That's the design. But I need God. If they didn't have God... I'm going to be in trouble. I need you, God. I need a personal relationship with you. I need you. And I found myself on my floor in my apartment saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. Well, that was the starting point. But the next place in that is, Lord, I want you. I want you. Like I don't just need you. I desire you. I desire you in my life. And when I say that, I'm not just saying that I'm, I'm not just saying that I want God alone. You know, think about this. Aren't we supposed to be planted in the house of God? Isn't that true that we're supposed to be planted in the house of God? This is something the Lord was showing with showing me. Now, listen, aren't we supposed to have a relationship with God? Yes, we are. But can a plant survive on the sun alone? No, it has to have the roots of the place where it's planted. So God has designed us to live healthy and grow when we have both a relationship with the son and a relationship with the body that he's planted us in. And without having both, our lives will be fragile. 
We need both. In other words, when I say I need God, I need God to come in not only individually, but I need him to come through other people too. I need, I need that relationship there because God says, uh, the word says that uh, God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, through you all the nations will be blessed. In other words, it's not just from him alone. It's through the people that he puts in our life. So when we say, Lord, I need you, Lord, I want you, then what we're saying is, and I need you and I want you the way that you say to do it, not the way I think to do it, not the way that I've been taught to do it or taught not to do it. I need you and I want you the way that you've designed. I need your ways. Your ways are holy. And if I'll get in your ways, I can walk in your anointing. And that anointing will break every yoke. Anybody ever needed a yoke broken in your life? In order to walk in his, in his yoke breaking power and be free, I have to walk in his ways. He's not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly, but I have to walk in his ways. So we needed, I, we needed to get to the place where we say, Lord, I need you too. I want you. I've, I've turned from just a need to, I, I actually desire you and your ways, Father. I desire to go after you. I want you in my life. And then we move to the place where he says, look, if you need me and you desire me, when you search for me, you will find me. In other words, so we go from I need you, I want you, I, by faith, I have you. You're mine. I've got you. By faith, I take hold of you, Lord. You're mine and I'm yours. And then we don't forget the last part, part four, and I thank you. Because I needed you. I wanted you. And you gave me yourself. I thank you. I worship you. And that's what we're doing here this morning. Is we're saying, Lord, I, we need you. We can't live this life without you. I need the supernatural power of God. I need you, Lord. I want you. I have you. You, you know, you can have God and all of his anointing and all of his yoke-destroying power, all of his love this morning simply by saying, Lord, I need you. I want you. I have you. By faith, Lord, I believe that you'll give yourself to me as I turn to you. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And here's why I bring that up. Because any of us ever found the place where we needed God, where we were in trouble, where if God doesn't come through. But you see, that was not God's original plan. His original plan wasn't that. His original plan was for us to be in the garden where his will was done perfectly and for us to say, look, all we've got to do is cultivate the garden and bless it and multiply it throughout his whole creation. Take the garden and expand it over the whole earth. He said, this is all you got to do. Be fruitful and multiply the blessing in the garden cultivate the garden. Adam was told to name the animals. I'm sure there would have been some specifics he gave us over time. But basically he said, cultivate, be fruitful, and multiply the blessing of God over all creation. And that tree over there, don't eat it. <laughs> Oops. And that tree, don't eat it. Let me just say something. There's always something that God had, even, even before, says, this is holy. Don't touch this. This is, this is separate. 
don't touch it. Today, it's the tithe. It's like that. That's one of those things. There's always things that God said, hey, this is not yours. This is not yours. And, and when we do that, later on we find out about the tithe. Later on we find out this, that the tithe helps us to learn how to reverence God. So that tree sitting in there, and Adam and Eve, if they would have given themselves to not eat of that tree, they would have learned, hey, this is how I reverence God. And their reverence and honor would have grown and they would have continued to grow in the blessing of God and been fruitful and multiplied. And guess what? No sin, the wages of sin is death. No sin, no curse. No hard times. No struggles. Easy and light. No sin, no curse. It was never God's design for us to walk in the curse. The weight of the world. It was never God's design for us to get into the place where it's like, this stinks. That was not his design. But that's what happened. And let's just read this. So, and I'm just going to read. You don't, you don't have to read this. You can just listen this morning. They'll, they'll probably put it up there. But just listen. Hear the story played out. And I want to point out some specific points. Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let them rule over it. You know, it's not, it's not, wasn't a weak thing that he gave man. He was saying, look, I want you to have dominion over all of it. He wants you to have dominion, I love this, over every creep. Amen? <laughs> every creep you've got rule and dominion over. He says God created man in his own image. Do you realize how many images he could have created us in? But he said, no, nah, they're going to be mine. I'm going to create them to look and act and talk and walk like me. What? Well, this is why you see the devil constantly trying to demean Man, not just, not just male, male and female. He's constantly trying to get us to desecrate our bodies because we're made in his image. He's constantly trying to downplay. You know why? Because you were created higher than the devil was. You were created a class above the angels. That's who you were. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. So he constantly is trying to get us to look at man like we're nothing, like we're, like we're trash. Why? Because that's what the devil thinks about us. But that's not what God thinks about us. That's not what God thinks about you. He says, I look at you and I see me. I see me. That doesn't mean that you, that you walked it out like that. That you lived like him. It just means that he said, I created you to do things you don't even know about yet. Tell your neighbor, say, he's talking about me. <laughs> Amen. He created you to do things you hadn't even imagined yet. Great and mighty things. Jesus said it this way. You'll do these things in greater. You'll do these things in greater. The things Christ did in greater. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In other words, God didn't do some little thing when he created you. He did a big thing. He said, I'm going to make you look like me. I'm going to make you to be like me, to talk like me, walk like me, create like me. Rule over this whole earth, over all my creation. And you're not going to have a problem. Just don't eat that tree. Honor me by believing that if you don't eat that tree, you'll be better off. Honor me by believing. All right. Then he said this. Verse 31. God saw all that he made and behold, it was very good. God saw all that he made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning and the sixth day. And then the Lord had his Sabbath and he rested and he called it holy. Now, if you go over in Genesis 2, verse 8 and 9, it says this. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden. And there he placed the man, the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord calls to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, then the Lord took the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. You'll surely die. Now it's interesting because... What he's talking about that you will surely die is this. He's saying, look, is the man going to physically die that day? Well, we know that he did not. So a lot of times we read things and we constantly equate it to the physical. But God's saying, you've got to understand that this whole world uh, in Hebrews 11 and verse 3, this whole world was formed out of things that you can't see. There's a physical world that you do see and a spiritual world that you don't see. Uh, for instance, like over here on this wall, are you seeing the wall? No, not really. You're just seeing the surface of it. What you're seeing is the paint on top of the drywall here. But what you're not seeing are the boards behind it that actually make the wall and give it substance. That make it stand when I push on it and knock on it. If it, those weren't there, this would just be paper that I basically press right through. What you're seeing there is not actually the wall. You're seeing the surface of it. Well, it's the same way in this, in this world. What you're seeing is what you see is wrapped around a core of the spiritual makeup of God. The spiritual things that he spoke and created it into being. And so what we're seeing, what we're seeing today is that when we change the physical... When we change, excuse me, the, the spiritual, the physical will then change. When we handle the spiritual, then the physical will change. And so you're seeing here that he put them in, in the garden and he said, he said, hey, you can eat from this tree, but don't eat from this one. God was saying this. He was saying, look, you got to understand 
That when I put you in this garden, I've taken care of everything that you will need. And I've created you to, I've made you to create just like me. And if you will trust me, you will have everything you need. By the Spirit, you will have everything. But when you start looking with fleshly eyes and start trying to uh, make your way in the flesh, you're going to be uh, circumventing the system, trying to get it to come about by logic, trying to get it to come about by physical means when everything that we do is spiritual. And what he was saying was this, when you start paying attention to the physical, remember uh, there's three different things that Jesus was tempted with and so was Adam. Uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. When they started to pay attention to the things in the physical, they got their eyes off of the spiritual blessings that they were already blessed with. And he was saying this, when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Our mind today straight goes to the physical thing, but not the spiritual thing. And what happened was they were saying, look, I believe if I eat of this tree, I'll know more. And God was saying, look, if you eat of that tree, you'll be disobeying me and you're going to disconnect from the life source, the spiritual life source. And what happens? Uh, we've, if I cut that finger right there off, right? And it just lays on the ground. What's going to happen to that finger? It's going to shrivel up and die. Why? Because it's not connected to the life source. And from the very day that they ate that fruit, they disconnected from the actual life source of the Father who loves them, who gave them a spiritual life. That day, they disconnected. The glory went away. The anointing went away. And that day, life started to to dry up and die. Now, you have to understand they were made so perfectly that even though their life source had started to dry up, it took the devil 900 years to figure out how to kill them. Right. They lived for 900 years. That was the average. Yeah. Took them that long. It's amazing. That's how well built they were. Forget Ford tough or Ram tough. We were like 900 years tough, right? Anybody feel like you can do that today? That's the results of being disconnected. That's the results of spiritually being disconnected. But what happens if you get spiritually connected again? What happens if the glory and the anointing of God starts to come back on you? Well, I can tell you what happens. When it comes on one man, he runs in front of chariots for 16 miles. Runs in front of the horses. Another man climbs to the top of a mountain at 120 years old and looks over into the promised land. And he can see it all because his eyes weren't dim. When it comes on somebody else, he walked on the water. When it comes on somebody else, they started putting people where their shadow could pass over because the glory, the realm of his glory, the aroma of the manifestation of the knowledge of God started healing people. When it came around on Peter, he said, I know you've been, you haven't walked for all your life, but what I have to give you, rise up and walk. And the man leaped to his feet. That's what happens when we start getting connected with him. What can happen in your life, in your finances, in, in your blessings, if we'll just get connected with him? If we will start to mass towards the anointed one and his anointing. 
This is what Christmas is about. Then all of a sudden, here's what happened. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? You've got to understand, this is the devil. You'll see this in a minute. The devil, he's always coming with deception. And what he likes to do is ask questions. He wants to get you in the realm of reasoning so that he can get you out of the realm of connection spiritually. The realm of faith. He wants to get you. Listen. He wants to get you in the realm of reasoning. So that he can get you out of faith in a God who loves you. And would give his life for you. Because if he can get you in the realm of reasoning. He can deceive you. So he starts getting Eve into that place. He said to the woman. Indeed has God said. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the servant, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Well, God never said or touch it. She didn't know the word. She didn't know what God had actually said. And this shows you something. When you know the word, you will be protected. The more you know the word, the more protected you will be. The more protected you will be. Because the more the word uh, you know when the devil comes in with his reasoning and his questions and his deception. You'll just be like, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't right. The word says. And, And this is what Jesus did. He gave us the example. He just laid the word on the devil and ran him off in the wilderness. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then, and then Jesus just gave him the word. I mean, laid the sword of the word to the devil's behind and sent him running. Many people are, are failing today because they don't know the word. They don't know the promises. They don't know what it says about humility and submission. They don't know what it says about faith and hope and love. They don't know what it says about promises. And so the devil comes, he throws an idea at them. They don't know the word says, take it captive. They let that idea just plant and ruminate. And all of a sudden it it explodes into corrupted fruit. And they go, why God, did you let this happen? God didn't let that happen. We let it happen. Because we didn't know the word. She didn't know the word. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. There was a thread of truth in that. Physically she wouldn't. Spiritually she would, which would bring about the physical death too. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise. There you see uh, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust, the pride of life and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You see them right there. 
She took the fruit and ate and gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool, in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid uh, because I was naked. So I hid, my, hid myself. Now, I want you to see something here. Just because God asked a question didn't mean he didn't know what the answer was. God knows where he was. He's, asked, he's getting communication going. There's other times in the Bible where God says things. He's drawing communication out of people. He's asking a question. Here he's saying, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was. But he's saying, hey, where are you? And then Adam says, uh, I was afraid. I was afraid and I was naked. And then he says this, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you to eat? And the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. That's just like a corruption man, corrupted man. Is that woman you gave me instead of taking some responsibility? Now, now, ladies, I'm not just talking about men here. I'm talking about corrupted mankind, corrupted, corrupted flesh always blames it on somebody else. Instead of taking responsibility. But I found that the nature of Christ says, even if it's not my fault, I'll take the fault. I'll take the fault. Matter of fact, good leaders will take the fault when even their people mess up. That's what good leaders do. That's exactly what Jesus did. So instead of always passing the buck, well, it's those people. You go, well, it's my employees. Well, it's my coworkers. Well, it's my boss. Hey, just ask God how to come out of it. Ask him for something supernatural. He'll show you how to move past that. But as soon as corruption comes in, we start passing the blame. <laughs> and we've still been doing it today. That woman you gave me, then, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate the serpent. Oh. Now, I imagine God knew all of this just in a split second. But I want to run you through the story of that serpent. And I want you to see what happened. What, what was maybe God thinking in that moment? Oh, yeah, the serpent. You know, right at that moment, ah, the serpent. Let me flash back. Let me have a flashback and remember where that serpent came from. What he did, how he got to be on the earth now, deceiving this woman, deceiving my very children. Ah, the serpent. Ah, it's that serpent again. Okay. In Ezekiel 28, in the New Living, Ezekiel 28, it says this. He was talking about now it's interesting right here because uh, the Holy Spirit is actually talking about a king, an evil king. But what he recognizes is it, what makes this king evil uh, 
is he chose to listen to the wrong voice. But what he says, he goes from talking about the king to defining the serpent. In other words, when we listen to the devil, we start to become one with him. When we listen to Christ, we start to become one with him. So he's talking about the king, but in the middle of talking about the king, he starts to define the nature of the king that he's taken on, and that nature was the devil. He starts to talk about that serpent. And so right here, he's talking about the serpent. He says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, all right, turquoise and emerald, and beautifully, all beautifully crafted for you, talking to the serpent. Listen to this. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. Do you remember when it says that Moses was up on the mountain? Moses is up on the mountain and all of a sudden he saw footprints of fire. Footprints of fire, where it was where God had walked. In other words, what he was saying is this serpent, who was now a serpent, he used to walk where God walked. He was set with beautiful stones. He had, they were inlaid in gold. He, God created him beautiful. And he walked, this is my, the part, he walked where God walked. Moses couldn't really walk there without a covering. He saw where God had been. But look, he walked where God had been. He walked where God walked amidst the stones of fire. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and I exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. Listen to that. He had a fire of God inside of him. And God said, you can't hold that holiness anymore. You can't hold that fire anymore. And he drew out that holiness out of him. He drew out the fire that he had. And the fire itself that he once possessed, it now consumed him. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who are watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate. You've come to a terrible end and you will exist no more. This is the serpent. So I see God standing in the garden. Who deceived you? The serpent. Uh, 
the serpent. And can you see God thinking now at this moment from the time this deception came in and the curse came in. Now, now understand that God sees all 6,000 years. He sees 6,000 years ahead. He sees 6,000 years ahead. And in that moment, 6,000 years ahead, he sees, you remember when I asked you, have you ever had trouble? You ever had trouble? He sees 6,000 years ahead and he sees all the trouble that everybody will have, each one. All the trouble that everybody will have. And he says, because of that serpent. Then he continues remembering about in Isaiah 14, your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to Sheol. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you and your worms are your covering. Have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn? You have been cut down to earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne. This is what the devil was saying, what the serpent was saying. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. This is the devil talking. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol. You will be thrust down to hell, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? In other words, when they see the devil, they're going to be saying, Oh, is this the man? Is this, is this it? Because he's come so low. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, it says this, continuing to talk about that serpent. And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. In other words, here, here he is. He's made in all this glorious splendor. He walks at the place where God walked. All of a sudden, here's this, here is this, uh, this fire, the fire of God that's within him. This fire of God that's within him. And in that moment, all of a sudden, in that moment, he says, I will make myself like God. And instantly God says, oh, no, you won't. And he draws out that fire. He says, because this is the beginning. If he's let loose, oh, he can cause all kinds of trouble. And God is a covenant God and he will start to protect his people. And he will move in that way. All of a sudden, right at that moment, right at that moment, everything that the devil thought that he would be turned into nothing. All of his reasoning. And he became one. The only power he had was to deceive. And he says, look, Michael and your angels, handle them. 
And they fought, but they were not strong enough. And all of a sudden, my, and they were thrown down. There was no place left for them in heaven. No place around the presence of God. They could not stay at that place. And they were thrown down to earth. And Jesus later says this. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Like lightning. In other words, God just started to speak. And all of a sudden, this, this thing, this, this creation that thought he was something greater than the creator. All of a sudden, here he goes. And it's just, boom! And like lightning, he hits the earth. And no longer is he the beauty. No longer is he the thing. No longer is he the beautiful creation. No longer is he that beautiful creation anymore. No longer is he the one that has the fire of God. He's nothing. He's, re he's reduced to the dust of the earth. And like lightning, God, it wasn't hard for God. It wasn't like God was up in heaven, like battling back and forth with the devil. And I wonder who's going to win. No, God said, I just pulled the fire out of you and it consumed you. I just pulled me out and me consumed you. And then he says, let me create man in my image. Watch the garden. Multiply. Be fruitful. Multiply. Don't eat that tree. Then the serpent comes. He's got no power. But he says, hey, this is the devil. You were connected where you needed to be. You were connected in the place of God. But let me start reasoning with you. And let me try to draw you down to me. Because I can't stand anything that has anything to do with God. That's what he was saying. And so he started to reason in, our, in, it, in their minds. He started to reason and all of a sudden they take the fruit and the curse then explodes across humanity. And every pain, every sickness, every disease, every bit of lack, every hardship you've ever faced stemmed from that moment. Now before you get mad at Adam and Eve, let me remind you, if you'd have been in the same place, guess what? You'd have done the same thing. Matter of fact, we've proved that already because there's not one among us that hasn't sinned. Not one. We've already proven that we would have done the same thing. Maybe not the same way. It may, might have sounded a little bit different, but eventually we would have eaten that fruit. And so before we blame them, we need to say, oh gosh, Lord, now there's a problem. There's trouble. There's a curse released in this world What's going to happen? And so right at that moment, he says, the serpent deceived you, huh? I remember that serpent. He thought he was something. He was nothing. I remember that serpent. I saw him fall like lightning to the earth. I remember that serpent. Now, now, okay, serpent, 
I can't just come in here. And here's the problem. A lot of people think, well, why didn't God just fix the curse? Why did I have to suffer? Why did I have to go through the things that I've gone through? Has anybody besides me ever wondered that question? Why did I have to go through it? Why did it happen this way? Why? Why? Here's why. Because at that point, at that point, God had given the earth to mankind. At that point, God had given all of the earth to mankind. And if he, if he just went in there and said, I'll fix it, boom, then what would he have done? Legally, he would have taken the authority back and broke his own word. And if he broke his word, listen, at that moment, the moment he breaks his word, he ceases to be God. And the moment he ceases to be God, legally the devil takes over and he just kills everybody. He destroys it all. Why? Because you're made to look like God and he hates God. So now God has to find a legal way. Oh, I remember the serpent. I'm going to have to handle this, but I've got to do it legally. I've got to do it right. I've got to handle it in the right way. I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. And from one verse he says, how did you get here? And the next verse he says this. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between the seed, your seed and her seed. In other words, there'll be the seed of mankind that will be placed there in this woman. And in this seed, he shall bruise your head. Other translations say, he will crush your head, you serpent. The seed of man will crush your head. The seed of man will crush your head. He says, look, now during this time, because this thing has to be done legally, he's like, there's going to be repercussions to where man didn't listen to what I said. They're going to have to go through a season. And he says, look, and you will bruise his heel. You'll bruise the man on his heel. But let me tell you, he'll crush your head. There'll be an anointed one is what God was saying. There'll be an anointed one and he's coming. And he will crush your head. And this is what God goes on to say throughout the whole word. And, and the ones who will accept his anointed one, they'll crush your head too. The Jesus inside of you will crush his head. They won't put up with the lack. They won't put up with the disconnection from life. They'll put on the glory of the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, and they'll crush your head. The seed of that woman will crush your head. You might bruise his heel, but they'll heal. They will crush your head. And then prophecy started to happen. Oh, there's an anointed one coming. There's a Messiah coming. There's the anointed one from the Father. He's coming. There's a Christ on the way. 
There's a Christ on the way. You might not know his first name yet, but there's a Christ on the way. There's an anointing coming from heaven. The heavens will be open and the anointing is on its way. And when he gets here, he will crush your head. He'll put an end to your reign. He will take back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He'll take back the keys and there'll be no more curse. The people will be redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus will take that curse. There's a Christ coming. There's an anointed one coming. There's an anointing coming. There's a Christ coming. And throughout the word, from that time forward, there started to be prophecies. There's an anointed one coming. There's a Messiah coming. There's a Christ coming. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Not God away from us. Not God far off when I need him. It'll be God with us. It'll be, Jesus will be the cleft of the rock where all of a sudden I couldn't see or be around God, but I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll hide you in the rock, the cornerstone, Jesus, and you'll be able to stay in that place and experience the glory of God every time you want to by staying in the rock, by staying. His name is Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the anointed one of God. Micah 5.2 But as for you Bethlehem Ephrata, too little to be among the clans of Judah. God loves doing big things in small places. Like Albemarle. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah from you. One will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. We know he was with God in the beginning and he was God. His goings forth was from eternity and from you, the smallest little town, the one who everybody says you're so small, from you will come the Christ. From you will come the anointed one. From you will be the deposit of my glory in my people. God will be with his people. Isaiah 9 2. So they're promised, you know, think about them going through history. Centuries are now passing. Centuries are passing. And there's a promise here and a promise there. And centuries are passing. But there's a Christ coming. There's a Messiah. And to us, it looks like a really, really long time. But in terms of eternity, it's just like that. But to us, it looks like it's taking forever. But really, in the big, in the big picture, it's happening like this at lightning speed. It's not taking a long time. And here comes the Christ. He's coming. Here's the Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. Your anointed one 
And his anointing, he's coming to visit your life. And I'm telling you today, he's coming to you today. He's coming to you today. As I'm preaching this, he's already, the Holy Spirit's already telling you inside of me, things are changing today. Why? Because as you expect and you receive the anointed one and his anointing, that anointing starts coming inside of you and it starts changing things. It starts breaking down those walls, breaking those chains that have held you down. It starts breaking that sickness, breaking that lack. Why? Because he is the anointed one of God. He's coming. He's coming to you this morning. Isaiah 9 2. The people who will walk in darkness will see a great light. Where I couldn't see, I didn't know what to do. The light of God, the Messiah of God's going to come and I'll be able to see clearly as I connect with him, as I hide myself in Christ and he in me and I in him, all of a sudden the light of God will start to shine and I'll see every step I need to take. I don't have to worry about what's around the bend or anything I can't see. When I need to see it, if I will be in fellowship with him, his light will shine and my path will be illuminated. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Malachi 4, 2, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You'll go forth and skip about. Woohoo! With healing in his wings. Glory to God. You know, we're not seeing enough of that. You know why? Because we haven't opened up ourselves enough to receive enough of the Messiah. So y'all, y'all laugh and like it when I do that, but you're not here. Like it feels different because I'm in front of all of you. And all internet land. But see, he's looking for a people that don't care. I love you so much, I don't care. I just jump around like a calf in a new stall. Like, I got legs. You know, a new calf. They're like, look, I can do this. And all of a sudden, the freedom of God comes on you. And you're just like, glory to God. I feel alive. Because I've got an anointed one living on the inside of me. I've received the anointing one from heaven. And we've got to start to realize that as we open our hearts up, he can do what he's called us to do. And you'll start to feel like he always wanted you to feel. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God. The plan's unfolding. We've been waiting. There's a Messiah coming. There's a Christ coming. And now it is at its beginning. And all of a sudden in heaven, can you imagine? 
Can you imagine God's on the throne? Glory to God. Who is sitting on the throne? Call Gabriel. Gabriel, I want you to take a message to this little girl who's found favor in my sight. And anybody who might have been knowledgeable about the plan, they're going, oh, here it comes. His anointed one, the key, the solution to save mankind for all eternity, to put everything that serpent tried to do on its head and to destroy it. Everything. It begins now. It started back in the garden back there when he spoke the word. When he spoke the word, it had to happen. And things got set in motion. And now through the centuries, it's been set in motion for 4,000 years. And now he calls Gabriel. And you imagine, I I know uh, from the spirit, the way this works is when God starts moving like this, all of a sudden the people of God who are tuned into the spirit, here's what starts happening. Inside of them, something, something starts to quicken. Something starts to just go on. All of a sudden they're like, something's up. Something's happening. Something's changing. They start feeling a drawing towards the things of God. You imagine, think about this. Right at this moment when it starts to go into play, I can tell you that by the Spirit, there were people paying attention to God going, looking towards Bethlehem. I don't even know why. I just feel like I need to get there. And all of a sudden, there started to be a collection, a mass towards the birthplace of an anointed one of God. All of a sudden, there started to be on the hearts of men and women a drawing and a call towards the Christ. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Are you walking at a place where if God wanted to use you, he could? What if Mary hadn't have been? This is our call as believers is to walk at the place that when God says, hey, it's time for me to move on the earth, he's found your heart ready and given. Willing and available and skilled to do those things. That's why we need to keep growing. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. 
Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she, she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. See, that anointing's already breaking the captive free. It's already starting to break the captive free. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. I imagine Joseph was confused. And Joseph, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Remember, it was the wages of sin that led to all the problems. So when he saves them from their sins, he saves them not just from sin itself, but from every problem that's associated with the curse from that time forward. When you are forgiven of sin, all of a sudden, instantly, you are relieved of every bit of the curse. Now, you may not have known that till today, but I'm telling you today that you then have a right like a child of God that says, I am anointed. I, I am like him. I am with him. I am in him. I got rights to the, his refrigerator, yeah. right? I can go get me something to drink without asking him. I can just say, hey, he's promised me healing. I'll take healing. He's promised me provision. I'll take it. Because when he broke the sin problem, he broke every bit of the curse. He says he will save them from their sins. Verse 22. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now at this time, Luke one thirty nine. Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby... John the Baptist, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. 
Then John the Baptist was born, and in verse 67, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, he's prophesying now, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation. Now listen to this. This is him talking by the Holy Ghost. So is what he's saying true? Yes. And he is not saying he will redeem us. He's visited us and he has accomplished redemption already. This is not something we're waiting on. When he set the plan, you could start to believe and redemption started to happen at that moment. This is the Holy Ghost saying, He's already done it in your life. Everything that's been bothering you, all you've got to do is turn to the Anointed One and you can have the answers. He's visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. And He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David His servant. And as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days and you child talking about John the Baptist will be will be called to the to profit uh, excuse me will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, what we see right here is this. John the Baptist is going to go ahead of Jesus and prepare the way. And how did he prepare the way? He prepared the way by preparing the hearts that would say, Lord, I've got to go after you. I'm telling you this morning. I'm, si- I'm telling you before uh, Christ appears in this message today. Uh, the way uh, before we mass towards his anointing. I'm telling you, prepare your heart right now by saying, Lord, I'm not going to walk the way I've been walking before. I'm going to walk holy and upright. I'm not going to give in to the things that have trapped me before, the things that that serpent has taught me into, the things that my reasoning has given. But I'm making a change right now in my mind and in my heart. I'm repenting and I'm putting myself on the right path so that when that Holy One shows up, when that Anointed One, that Messiah and His anointing to answer everything, I'll be ready to receive everything He's got. Not just Him, but everything He comes one. The Anointed One one and his anointing. I'm ready for it. So I'm telling you right now, right at this moment, as you're sitting here, say, Lord, I'm making a change today. Just bow your head. Just say, Father, right now, I'm making a change. I'm preparing my heart. I won't be who I've been, but I'll walk in your anointed, in Christ and his anointing. I'll live by your ways. I'll honor you with everything I do, with every thought I think. You've got me. 
I'm preparing my heart right now for the anointed one of the Father to do everything that his anointing does. Jesus, I receive you as my Messiah, as my Christ, as the one who saves me from everything. Yeah, glory. Now at this point, we start seeing that the hearts of the people start massing towards the Christ. They start being collected in abundance towards the Christ. You start seeing this mass coming. A mass is an abundant collection or gathering. An abundant collection or gathering. Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. Christmas is simply where a people decide, I'm going to move towards Christ. I'm going to move. It's not the tree. It's not the gifts. Although he was a gift. And we celebrate him by giving of gifts. But it's about moving our heart towards the Christ. It's about moving ourselves from where we've been toward the place where everything starts to be answered. Where solutions start to come. And hearts start to be moved. There's a change happening. Luke 2.1 Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, hear the angel's words about the Christ, about the anointed one. Because the same words that they told these shepherds are the same words he would speak to you. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. It's good news and not little joy. Great joy. I'm reminded that even when Jesus showed up on the scene, the baby John the Baptist leapt for joy. He's a bringer of joy, not a bringer of bitterness, not a bringer of despair, a bringer of joy, a bringer of putting smiles on people's faces. He's a bringer of joy. And it's great news, which will be not just for some of the people, but all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is the Christ. Who's Christ the Lord. 
This will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased. He's not angry. He's pleased with them. Why can he be pleased with them? Because we did it right? No, he's pleased with us because the one who would stand in the gap is now manifested on the earth. The Messiah, the Christ. He's, He's made a way that God can be pleased with us and get the good things that he always wanted to. He's in the Christ. And on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased. I'm telling you this morning, I don't know how the devil's beat you up. I'm speaking prophetically right now. Listen, I don't know how the devil has beat you up. But I'm telling you, in Christ, God is pleased with you. God's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. How does that even work? How is that even possible? Look, logic doesn't wrap its mind around it. It it doesn't even make sense. He shouldn't be pleased logically. But yet in Christ he is. I'm telling you no matter how much you've done wrong. And how much the devil has beat you up in Christ. He's pleased with you. Be of great joy. Receive that. Receive that part of the anointed one and his anointing today. That doesn't mean that you get to keep on doing the same stuff. It just means that you don't have a God who's sitting there angry with you, just looking how he can punish you. He's looking for a way to get his goodness to you. He's looking for a way. And look, what's holding him back in so many circumstances is our own heart to not forgive ourselves when he's already decided, I'm forgiving you. Our heart, many times, is what's holding back the anointed one from doing that because we can't receive it because we think God's mad with us. You've got to see what God has done that no matter what you've done or where you've been, he's still looking for a way to get his goodness to you. I don't know about you, but I'm like, praise God because I had plenty to be ashamed of. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. Let us mass to Bethlehem. And let's go receive this Christ. Let's go receive this Messiah. To see the thing which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, heard and seen, just as it had been told them. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, and the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Luke 2.22 And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem. To present him to the Lord. 
And as is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout and looking for the consolation of Israel or the hope of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law. And then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Understand that when God says salvation, he's not just meaning you get to go to heaven. He's saying he is your salvation in whatever area it is you need saving in. That's who Christ is. And here's this man, remember, from the garden, ah, that serpent. And then the serpent deceived and the curse came in and the Lord said, I've got a plan. And he begun the plan of sending a Messiah, of sending a Christ, of sending the anointed one and his anointing that will break the yoke off of the uh, uh, shoulders of the people who were bound, who will set the captives free. And from that point, a plan was in place. And then some 4,000 years later, here comes the anointed one. And now here's Simeon who says, I have seen your salvation. I've seen that Christ. That Christ is here now. The shepherds, even the shepherds are sitting there saying, I've seen the anointed one. He's here on the scene. He's here now. He says, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel for a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In other words, this is not going to be pretty, but it's going to be powerful. It's going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. But it's, it's going to, you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some persecution. But the plan of God will bring his salvation to people. Matthew 2, 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi or wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Many people think that the shepherds and the wise men were all sitting there at the same time. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. It was two different times, two separate events. And... Um, who said that there were three wise men, by the way? Um, it never says that. It says there were three gifts, but it doesn't say how many wise men. It just said some, some wise men. So, you know, when you play the Bible trivia thing, sometimes you can win it now. All right, so um, he said these wise men saw his star in the east and they came to worship him. What happened? In their hearts, there was a mass towards the Christ. There was, a, there was a move towards that Christ. Is there a move in your heart this morning 
towards the Christ? Is there a move towards his anointed one and his anointing, his salvation to set the captives free? Is there a move in your heart to receive everything that he has for you? After hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The anointed one had come. You see what I found is when the anointed one, when the Christ comes and when Jesus starts to move even in a service for those who are not hard hearted and for those who are paying attention to the moves of the Holy Ghost he'll start to put a draw on their hearts to move towards that anointing. He'll start to draw you to that place. Why? Because in that place, why? He loves you. And in that place where the anointed one is, you will find the solutions and God can get his good things to you. Even while I was speaking at some points today, even then your heart starts burning inside of you and starts to say, I need that Christ. I need that anointing. And you do. And we need to prepare our hearts so that we can walk that way. Lord, we don't walk and stay in the anointing by continuing to walk like the serpent. We walk by walking like him, by putting on that image of Christ and the likeness of our father and his love. And as we walk that way, this is how we move into the place of the anointed one and his anointing. And we stay there in that place. Over in Hebrews, it says this, that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness or the, he was anointed. Why? Because he hated sin. He hated transgression and lawlessness. In other words, when we make it a part of who we are, I hate sin. I hate lawlessness. I hate not walking like God. That kind of hate towards sin is good. And when he hated sin and transgression and lawlessness, it says God anointed him with the oil of gladness. You want anointing in your life, we've got to say, I'm going to start making a move towards him. And later on it goes on to say, John the Baptist announces, there's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, and I'm not even and worthy to untie his shoes. I shouldn't even untie his shoes. But he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Speaking of Jesus. And then Jesus comes and he says, let me fulfill every right thing and put down every wrong thing. And let me be baptized for righteousness sake. And he gets baptized and all of a sudden he prays. After he gets baptized, he prays and the heaven opens and the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes and rests on his shoulders. And at that moment, the miracles of God started popping all over the place. At that moment, heavens were open and heaven has not been closed since that point. He goes out into the wilderness. He takes the word of God. He slays the devil with that word. He sets him on the run. He comes out of that, comes to the wedding of Cana, turns the water into the wine. He starts healing, delivering. He comes over into Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 and he says, give me Isaiah. He finds himself in Isaiah and says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he's anointed me to 
to set the captives free, to let the blind see. He's anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This day, these things are fulfilled. And then from that day forward, that anointing one has been there for anybody who will mass towards the Christ. For anyone who will mass towards him and say, I recognize the anointed one of God. I recognize my Messiah. I recognize my Jesus, my Christ. And I will start, start taking steps towards him. I will put down sin. I will put down worldly ways and worldly thinking. I will put down all the deception and the reasoning that the devil's been feeding me a bunch of garbage all my life. And I will be who he's called me to be. Amen. And I will mass towards the Christ and I will find the Christ. I will find the solution and things will start to work. And not only that, but I will start to become a proclaimer that there's a Christ. There's a Messiah and we're not waiting on him anymore. He is here. The heavens are open. And just like he started pouring out blessings on me, he can pour it out on you. And you'll start to win co-workers and you'll start to win your family members. And you won't be afraid. Are they going to heaven or not? You'll win them because you'll be a, a proclaimer of the Christ yourself because you mass towards him. Now I'm telling you this morning, I want everybody who feels like massing to the Christ to just come down forward. Come down here and just say, Lord, I need your anointing in my life. Lord, I need your solutions. I need you. I need you. Just come on down. Y'all can get that song ready. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, we're a people who we've decided, I'm tired of being tired. I'm massing towards you. You can come on down close. Make it, just make a big pile in Jesus' name. Lord, I need you this morning. I need you. I'm not sitting back. I'm not going to be left in the field while all the other shepherds go and see their anointed one and the Messiah. I need you this morning. I need you. I need your things. I won't sit back and be ashamed. I need you. And the ones that would mass to the Christ all of a sudden and they would honor him. All of a sudden they started to see the power of God. So I'm telling you, even if you need, you can still come on. Even if you're saying, look, I just need some solutions in my life. I need the power of God. I need the healing of God in my life. I need provision in my life. I need restoration. I need protection for me and my kids and my family. I need those things. All of that is in the Christ. If you need those things things you need to mass to the Christ and don't just sit look get out of your seat and say this say I'm not going to stand still I've stood still for too long I'm tired of feeling this way I'm tired of living this way I won't be that I'm going to take a step out and be who God's called me to be I will mass in my heart towards him and just pray this with me all over this. You're still welcome to come. Anybody that, that wants to, just pray this with me. Say, Father, today, I needed a Christ. I needed a Messiah. I needed a Savior. But I didn't just stop at the need. I want you, Lord. Jesus, I need you. I want you. And I have you now. I have you. By faith, I have you. And I thank you.
Thank you for being my Christ. Thank you for being anointed. Thank you for solving my issues. Thank you for solving my sin. And redeeming me from every curse. From this point forward, I will never be the same. But I will walk in the anointed one and his anointing. I need the supernatural. I need it in my life. You can still come. If you're sitting and you're saying, look, I need that. If you need the supernatural, it's not a matter of whether or not you've been born again or not. It's do you still need the power of God in your life? If you do, come on. Mask to the Christ. Show him I'm going to take a step out. I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to be who he's called me to be and I'm going to put guts where, where I've not had them. I'm going to step out and be. I'm not going to be the kind of person that sits back and I'm a private Christian. I'm going to be somebody with boldness and confidence. I need his help. Keep praying this with me, everybody all over. Lord, I ask you today, be my Lord. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You're the director. I need you. And everything you tell me, I'll do. You, give, you call the shots, and I'll be obedient. And you took my mess on you, and you let it take you to the cross. And to, the and to the grave. But the God the Father, God the brought, you back to life brought you back to life and delivered you, and delivered you from, all my mess. from all my mess. And when He raised you up, He raised me up with you from all my mess. I don't have that mess anymore. I don't have that mess anymore. I've got a Christ. I've got a Messiah. I've got an anointed one and his anointing. I've got healing. I've got deliverance. I've got manifestation in my life. I've got restoration. I've got joy. I've got the life of God. Glory to God. Now Jesus, feel me. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire and be everything that you've called me to be through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Just give them a shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God.